0: This is For The Win, a podcast on sports and sports culture. I'm Eddie Sun, the multimedia editor for Annenberg Media Sports, as well as a producer of this podcast. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the 2021 year for For The Win. I'm your host, Tristan Pesta, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-hosts of Natalie, Carlo, and Jordan. As our semester gets rolling here at USC, our basketball team is rolling right now, too. The team is ranked for the first time in four years and future top five draft pick Evan Mobley is leading the way. As we think about Evan's future and the future of basketball prospects, there's a lot of question around the one and done college route. Should a year of college be required for these guys who are ready straight out of high school? Is the system taking advantage of unpaid and mostly black labor? Are there viable alternative routes to this current standard? These are all questions that we're going to address, and let's dive right into it with Carla.
1: Yeah, thanks, thanks, Trace, for for starting it uh, us off. I just I think this, there's definitely something wrong here. There's definitely black labor being taken advantage of, and, and this is a horrible rule because guys are getting paid anyway. I mean, Sean Miller out of the University of Arizona got caught on a wire three years ago talking about how he was going to pay hundred thousand dollars to DeAndre Ayton. Tennessee just a couple of months ago gets caught giving recruits money in McDonald's bags like we know that guys are getting money that's that's not the question but because the NBA has this rule we have to do these sneaky backdoor ways to try to pay people and things just get a lot worse I, I just it doesn't make sense if a guy comes from a uh, uh, background where his family needs money he should have the option to go make that money and not have to try to ask the coaches or or wait a year in a college education he'll never use because he'll only be at school for for six months and then go to the NBA
2: yeah I mean uh, for me it's more like I just feel like I don't want black labor to go unpaid I feel like these athletes that are mostly black basketball is mostly black um they just Even when the money's paid under the table, they're not making nearly as much as they could be making, like just based on what they're making for the school alone. I mean, their names, their likeness, like they sell tickets just by themselves. So their value is not worth that under the table money, nor like the punishments that they themselves might have to pay down the line for taking that money that they do deserve.
3: No, I mean, I couldn't agree more. Um, These players really, I mean, college basketball is the only, or the NBA is really, one of the only leagues that enforces a rule like this. We see soccer players go and play professional right out of high school. Uh, the MLB um, has their whole farm system with the various minor leagues. So I don't see why um, why this can't be the case with the NBA. I mean, maybe they have an agreement with the NCAA, which kind of benefits both of them. But um, I think really the, the G League route is definitely going to be something that a lot more players um, – taken into account when deciding if they want to go to college or just become a pro right away. Um, we've seen the success of Jalen Green, Jonathan Kaminga, just to name a couple. Um, and I think that this, this is definitely an option that a lot more, many more players are going to uh, take advantage of instead of going across the world to potentially play in a European league or forfeiting a year where they could be banking big-time money
0: um, at one at a, at a school. So here's a question for you guys. I want to hear what you think about who's more at fault here. Is it more at fault for the NBA that they even require this one-year eligibility thing? Or is it the NCAA's fault for being so slow to have progress on compensation talks and properly treating their athletes?
1: I mean, I think this is what specifically we're talking about is an is NBA rule. Because guys can't go to the NBA because of the NBA. It's not because they can't get paid by the NCAA um yeah I I mean I just it doesn't it doesn't make a whole lot of sense I mean obviously a lot of a lot of coaches and GMs will probably tell you college is beneficial stay in college not a lot of guys are ready right out of the NBA um but it I think it just doesn't make it's an NBA problem
2: and what's the point of saying like stay in college if that college experience is a year. Like, what do you get academically speaking out of one year of college? Like, I know if I just had a freshman year of college, I wouldn't have known half the stuff I know now just out of like another semester and a half. So saying, oh, stay in college and get that great education doesn't even make that much sense to me. If anything, it's kind of like talking down to them because they both know that they're only going to stay there for one year.
3: No, I mean, like, that's definitely a great point, Natalie. I couldn't agree more. And I mean, essentially, college exists to prepare us for our professional lives and these student athletes ha- have the opportunity to just to start their professional life so why 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 shouldn't they uh, go ahead and start doing that um, aside from uh, playing in the G League or overseas I was actually really interested to see what Darius Baisley did a couple years ago when he decided to do the internship um, with New Balance um, and learn in kind of be a professional in that regard, and not only in terms of his game, but learn how to um, navigate uh, the various PR and um, marketing opportunities that a lot of these athletes uh, go through every day. So um, I think there's a lot of different um, avenues that these um, players could be taking instead of just forfeiting a year at
0: college. Yeah, Jordan, that's an interesting route you talk about there. I think um, one interesting thing we need to talk about with this conversation is this route isn't for everyone. This idea of one and done, this idea of going to other sources like the G League for compensation in a different way, is if you're like a lower recruit and someone who maybe isn't thinking one and done, maybe not even thinking they have an NBA career ahead of them, I think the college route can still benefit them. Maybe they're gonna place a higher value on education or maybe if they still have NBA aspirations, they're gonna need the platform of March Madness to propel themselves so do you guys think this is also a matter of what type of player we're talking about here
2: oh yeah definitely because even going back to that like under the table money i feel like the only time we hear about that money being passed around is towards those players that are already like superstars so if you're thinking of like oh they get to make some money on the side like it's really great for them to make that money on the side for a year before going to pros like that's not true because those top players could be making way more than that under the table money by going in for a year So yeah, saying that like that college ball really benefits certain players is really, really true because some people, I mean, that's the only way they can get into school is even if they don't plan on going as far as the NBA, I mean, getting into college to play sports is getting into college. So it's really a huge benefit for them when they're not shooting past that.
3: I mean, look at the landscape of college basketball this year, especially uh, it it looks really different than past years. Um, All the blue buds are kind of down this year, whether it be Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, or UNC, they're each having a tough year. And I think it's because a lot of these recruits opted into taking a different route instead of going to one of these schools. So um, it kind of shows the power that these kids hold um, And I think they should be allowed to use that power in whatever way they want.
1: Yeah. And I think also like you get unfortunate situations like, like uh, guys opting out at the end of the year. And then they get criticized for that because they want to make sure they don't injure them. Uh, a lot of the top guys, it just ends up being like the whole thing with James Wiseman. I mean, he played three games and he still got drafted number two overall. A guy didn't play basketball for 18 months. Like, college is great but a lot of coach uh, it doesn't really change a whole lot of people's draft stocks who are already really really good we don't see somebody who's a top five pick come in and they go oh now they're number one like did anybody think zion williamson wasn't going to be the number one overall pick when he committed to duke like no we weren't really like oh you know maybe so like i i I just doesn't make in those top top guys it doesn't make a whole lot of sense
3: yeah and to your point if anything it kind of like hurts them
0: yeah For sure, guys, that's a great point. And now let's transition from the college scene to the NBA scene. There's been a lot of talk with all star activities going on this year. And during a COVID year, should we even be having all star events, considering all the precautions that we're trying to take, but still knowing that so many people have died from this? I mean, is the risk worth the reward here? What do you guys think about this?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about how money moves the world, this is a perfect example, right? Uh, the NBA for being such a quote-unquote woke organization, progressive organization, this is a really step backwards for them. I I mean, they just like to to hold a, an event where you bring a bunch of people from around the country together into the same arena when nearly half a billion people or half a million people is a half a million people in the US have died from from COVID this year. It's uh, it's tone deaf. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but unfortunately that, that I can't imagine those TV contracts are, are too lucrative to, to avoid.
2: Yeah. I mean, totally. I mean, I'm going to see race in this again, because I have eyes and races and everything. And I just find it so ironic that the NBA had this whole like reckoning in quotes of like black lives matter. You know, we have to see beyond our players and see them as black people and see like how, you know, black people are treated outside of these awesome cushy all-star jobs. And yet they're hosting this massive event that is going to exacerbate a problem that has affected black people so disproportionately. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me that you would have such an unnecessary part of the season still, even though this pandemic is not getting better. I mean, you can even see like the Pro Bowl was not near what it was this year and that was because of the pandemic and how things were going and they saw hey maybe we shouldn't do this, maybe we shouldn't bring a bunch of people together and have them travel and make this thing worse. So it's not that it like can't be done it's that they're just choosing not to do it.
3: Yeah no I mean that was a great point about the Pro Bowl. I mean they had a Madden tournament and honestly they had a pretty good turnout so. uh... I I know myself and a lot of my friends would be down to watch some of the all star NBA all star players have a two K tournament. I I know I'm not the only one, so I, I, I just don't see why the NBA um, could be so arrogant in terms of thinking they they could pull off this event. I know they had great success in the bubble, but you know they're no longer in a bubble, um, and I if they really cared about their players the organization and the rest of society they'd kind of forfeit the money and think of alternative ways um of hosting an all-star weekend whether it be virtually or in some other type of fashion
0: yeah there's ways to be creative with this it doesn't have to be a situation where we risk lives here i think the nfl did the right thing and one thing they did was it's not like they only went virtual with it they still announced who was going to make the pro bowl so i think in our case we can still talk about who deserves to make the all-star game even if it doesn't get played in person i want to get your guys thoughts on who you still think deserves it there's some pretty obvious names we could list here but who's like a fringe all-star someone who some people might believe should make it and some people has a case against but someone you want to make a case for who's someone that stands out to you
1: yeah, uh, I'll start us off. I think that there's a guy up in uh, in Toronto who's uh, I don't know if you guys know Fred VanVleet, undrafted, undrafted. It'd be cool to see Fred make the All Star game, going from undrafted, being in the G League. Uh, he's averaging twenty and six and four this year on forty one percent from the field, and had the most efficient fifty point game in NBA history. I mean, that's that's a pretty good first half of the season twenty twenty six and four. I, I think I think he'll be on the edge. I don't think he'll make it just because. And the Raptors really haven't done anything super amazing this year. They've kind of flown under the radar and how good your team is usually, how much you're on national TV also is a big reason why. So, but I'd, I'd like to see an undrafted guy make the all-star game. Be
2: cool. I personally really like Zach Levine. I love him in like the all-star just games. I love him in the dunk contest. So it's more of a bias thing. Don't ask me why it's an unspoken thing, but I just really like him. I feel like they've kind of like, had him in the dunk contest kind of dangled in front of his face it would be nice to see him in it just because he's been a part of it he's drawn eyes to it for so long that you know I'd like to see it will he make it probably not but you know I'd like to see it
3: yeah no I agree with Natalie I mean Zach Levine's averaged over 20 points the last three seasons and hasn't gotten that all-star bid yet so um I think it'd be great to see um him finally get the the credit he deserves. Um the Bulls aren't are the ninth seed in the East right now, but um they're definitely doing better than their past seasons when he didn't make it. Um and another player is definitely Julius Randle. Um I saw a bunch of stats today um that he's averaging more points than Anthony Davis, um more rebounds than uh, I forget who, but it's a ridiculous amount. And who would have thought the Knicks would be in playoff contention? I mean, this guy's leading the charge for them. Uh, Get, leading the Knicks to the playoffs uh, for the first time since 2013 should catch you an all-star bid in itself. So,
0: Yeah, leading the Knicks is a pretty ambitious task there because, gosh, they haven't been noteworthy in a while. A name I'll throw out there is Chris Middleton. I've heard a lot of disrespect on him just because he's worth like a max contract, but you could argue that he doesn't bring max contract value. But I don't think it should take away from the fact that he's shooting a 50-40-90 percentage year this season he's shot over 50 percent from field goal range over 40 percent from three and over 90 percent from the free throw line that's just a pure shooter in my eyes he's still averaging like 26 and six so I think he should be a lock for an all-star conversation
1: yeah I I mean I I agree I think another name that that a lot of people don't talk about just because he hasn't played all that much this year Seth Curry's having quite the year um, over there in Philadelphia, he's shooting the ball really well. Earlier, it was fifty percent. I also think Jordan. I think it's not too much to say Julius Randle could be an All Star starter. I agree. I, know that I he's agree. The is loaded, but the what this guy has done this year on a horrible team in a a horrible organization, like
3: let's look at this holistically a little bit. I mean, this is this is impressive. This is impressive. And to your point, I think there's a lot of guys who are gonna make it for the first time, but there's a couple who might not who are kind of fringe players. I think um I think Jaw's a year away. Uh, he got injured early on in the season. He's kind of a fringe all-star in my eyes, you know. He's going to make an all-star team eventually. I don't think that's up for debate. I just think this year um with the West it's going to be a little tough. And a name that a lot of people don't know is Christian Wood. I mean, the guy is probably in contention for most improved player. He was averaging 22 before he got injured, so um, it 'd be interesting to see if he could potentially like make it even though he 's injured, and there may m- we 'll see what happens but um I was really impressed with what I saw out of christian Wood this I movie. think Christian Wood should
1: get an all star bid just for calling Shaq a casual on t n t that was classic <laughs> I think that 's an auto bid I think that 's an auto bid he 'll be
0: a regular on Yeah, Shaq and it takes pool guts. At some point so. and the thing too is like Shaq holds grudges, so Christian Wood knew. Like, if, when he said that, he's going to get the Donovan Mitchell treatment now of, like, oh, every time he's mentioned, Shaq's probably going to turn a cold shoulder to him, and it's going to be this whole thing. But Christian Wood was onto something there. All right, so let's shift this conversation to another all-star type player, but he will be for the NFL Pro Bowl in this case. And this is a guy who no one's really debating the talent here. We're just debating now where he could possibly go. Deshaun Watson, the disgruntled MVP caliber player, he has so many options now, considering that he's officially requested a trade out of Houston. So let me ask you this, guys. Where do you think Deshaun Watson will end up?
1: Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it comes up with who who can offer the most. I think the, the, um, the Texans should go and send a jet, to detroit and have somebody go over there and shake their hands and say thank you because they made him a lot richer after that matthew Stafford trade two first round picks and jared goff um i don't think anybody thought that would happen for even deshaun and now of course the texans are gonna be saying well deshaun's better than matthew safford you got to give us more than that um also i i, I don't know if there's a, a spot i think that's best but at the end of the day it's gonna be who who can offer the most um the texans have have passed of bad trades though so I wouldn't be surprised also if it's something and we all go, what on earth was that? But we'll see.
2: Yeah, I I want this man to go to a good team, man. I think he deserves it after so many years that the Texans just stuck, haven't won a conference championship in, God, nine, 10 years. This man needs players around him. He needs ownership and a GM that will work with him that won't ignore his needs. Heck, I mean... I put out Miami there just because they have the black head coach. They have the black GM, which I'm sure is just a positive for him overall. They have players around him, and I think they could trade for him. Uh, I put the Broncos out there, too, just because they definitely need him. They definitely need him. They have the players around him. They could trade for him. They have the All-Stars. It's going to take that. Uh, But that ownership is a little stiffer. It's kind of up in the air right now. I don't know if that would be the best place for him, but we'll see.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's only probably like five teams in the NFL that couldn't use to Watson. I mean, he's, he's a top three talent in the NFL. Um, in terms of where I see him going, I think the jets have the most to offer. Um, I know it's the jets, but they have a new coach and Robert Sala and he's really, um, respected coming over from San Francisco where he led a really great defense. Um, and I noticed, um, I saw some news on Twitter about uh, Deshaun's agent following the Jets on social media. So I don't know if that's telling of anything, but um, to Natalie's point as well, um, I, I'm i a huge Tua fan. So if Deshaun goes to Miami, I'd be sad to see <laughs> Tua get moved, but which would be probably the most likely scenario. But Miami would be a great... Um, great destination for him as well I know he just posted a picture with him and some of his former Clemson teammates on the Dolphins so um, I don't think Deshaun would mind uh, moving to South Beach and uh, giving it a go at taking uh, taking
0: the NFC or the AFC Jordan Jordan I like your social media analysis how you're like seeing a post and you're like that's a Clemson alumni on a Miami team and you're, you're getting all these connections there I really appreciate that one team all throw into the mix is the Indianapolis Colts for two reasons, really? One is the roster is special. They have an amazing defense. They have Michael Pittman Jr. on offense, USC alumni. Hello. And that's a good roster. Two, it's a division rival. What more do you think Deshaun Watson wants to do than play the Texans twice and probably beat the Texans twice? I think personally, that is a very favorable destination for him for that last reason alone. And then you throw a roster on top, and it's icing on the cake.
3: No, I mean that would be great for Deshaun. I mean, if you're the Texans and you trade him away to a to a uh, rival within the division, I feel like you might as well just move the organization somewhere else at that point after giving up DeAndre Hopkins for nothing. Yeah, um, but I mean, I would to see him on the Colts. You're totally right. They have great. They, I mean, they have great draft capital. A really uh, a team with. A low budget, pretty much. They're not paying that much. A real, uh really young running back in Jonathan Taylor. So, you're not, you're not wrong in saying it would be great. But if if the Texans do that, they they should go to like another league or they should just move or something. I don't know. Yeah,
2: I mean, <laughs> will will he go in division? Not sure. As far as the Jets, I just don't want him playing by himself. Not saying that he would for sure, but just. It's looking that way. I just want to say, I think the Rams messed up. I think the Rams messed up. I think they jumped the gun. I really think this could have worked out a little bit better for them. That's all I'm going to put out there. Do you all think the same? Because I just, oh, I was watching this. I was like, the Rams, they messed up. They messed up. You can't change my mind.
3: The window in the NFL is really small. So the Rams recognize that they're not on the most team-friendly deals right now with Aaron, paying Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. Uh, top bunny so they they were kind of forced into making a trade Um, in terms of if Deshaun could have been on the Rams that would have been great Um, I just don't know if they have the cap space to take on a massive contract because Deshaun is on a massive deal so um, I wish that was possible but uh, I'm not sure
2: it's just seeing all these big trades it just breaks my heart for them I just don't think (laughs) <laughs> Their boy was worth it. I really don't. I mean, Goff won them 40-something games. 40-something games. You're going to throw them away? I just thought it was a little uncalled for. I thought maybe head coach might be panicking. They were these this wonder teams to start out. Now they're not doing so hot. What's the solution? Change quarterbacks. That's just where I'm coming from. They might prove us wrong. I hope they do. Um,
3: time will tell uh, just how successful um, our takes are from this episode of For the Win. Um, We'd like to thank everyone for tuning in for this first episode of 2021. And remember to always go for the win.
2: Thanks for tuning in to For The Win and remember to stay tuned for new episodes.